Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep Recording this, in progress. this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jeff. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm a compulsive overeater and a 100-pounder. Um, first of all, I'm a compulsive overeater. So the first thing, and if you're listening in podcast land, it was a hybrid meeting with a, a, a camera. The first thing I look at is the camera angle as I walk up and I say, this cannot be a good look. This cannot be a good look. But I will get over that. Uh, I've been uh, abstaining since uh, July 5th. 2009, uh, and I have lost 120 pounds, and so I don't get coy about it. I started out at 340, and my last weigh-in, I was 220, and while you, uh, there's a lot of bulimics in the room, and while you may be saying 220, oh my God, I'd kill myself, uh, 120 pounds is not an inconsequential amount of weight, and uh, I am on a losing abstinence for the past few months because uh, I worked with my sponsor at the behest of my doctor to uh, adjust my food. Because the weight is just data, but we'll get to the data part about that in a minute, um, because I'm supposed to tell you what it was like. And I don't really want to waste a lot of time on the fatalog, because I could be here for two weeks telling you all the stories about the things I did and the things that were done to me, and woe is me, and I'm a victim, and this was terrible, and the world wasn't right because it wasn't politically correct, because I'm you know, uh, old enough to... Uh, have been fat before uh, political correctness was in vogue, and you know people would just yell and scream and hear uh, uh, all sorts of horrible things at you. Strangers, friends, quote friends. Uh, you know uh, my parents, the, my my aunts, uncles, cousins. You know my teachers. You know, uh, but here's the bottom line: if you have been through the hell of being a fat child and a fat adolescent. Uh, you know exactly what I've been through. And if you haven't, you will never know. And God bless you for not having to have gone through that. But I can't explain it to you in a minute, an hour, or a week because, you know, it's just an experience that if you haven't had, I'm glad you haven't. Um, but, you know, I was, uh, you know, as a fat kid, I was fat before I knew what food was. My mother's a compulsive overeater. My father was a heavy eater, but uh, could stop occasionally if he wanted to. Uh, and that's how I grew up, and I, I got the disease, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't know why, uh, but I have some suspicions there's some genetics involved. Uh, at some point, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, it's no longer my parents' responsibility or genetics' responsibility, but I didn't really think about it when I got to that point. I just kept eating. Uh, and so I was fat in high school, I was fat in college. I like to say that I went to college during the sexual revolution and I was revolting. Uh, and more true than I'd like to, uh, to, to really come to terms with at this point. Um, and uh, I was a fat, yeah, I lost 100 pounds when I was 21 years old on a diet of my own making. Uh, which was not too dissimilar to my absence today somehow. And... Uh, uh, and then uh, I moved to California. I kept it up for a few years and then gained it back. Uh, not quite with interest. I gained around 80 pounds back. I found the rooms. Uh, and candidly, I worked the rooms and not the program. It was not, you know, it was friendships, it was relationships, it was, it was a club, it was, you know, God, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 
Uh, and then after a year, I graduated, and as uh, Harlan likes to say, the graduation song of Overeaters Anonymous is, uh, welcome to McDonald's, may I take your order, please? <laughs> um, but uh, um, I, I, uh, you know, I left, and I did then gain it back with interest, and I came back uh, about 20 years later. I don't recommend a 20-year sabbatical, by the way. Uh, but I came back a little over 20 years later at 340 pounds. I had a size 56-inch waist. I wore a size 60 coat, and I had a 3X shirt, and they were tight. Uh, and today uh, I have, uh, you know, I, I, I want to be coy and tell you how less it is, but I have a 38-inch waist, which is an 18-inch difference. You know, I, uh, I wear a size 48 jacket, which is a 12-inch difference in the jacket. Uh, and this is an X shirt, so there you go. So, you know, and, and I don't know what that, if that means anything, uh, because, you know, again, it's just data. It's just numbers. It's not who I am or what the program is, but it is uh, a testament to the physical recovery success that one can have in program if one listens to other people. So uh, when I came in the second time, I was really in a bad place. I, was, I had made a really bad business deal and lost a lot of money. So I was financially bankrupt, I was morally bankrupt, I lied, cheated, and stole because your opinion of me was more important than my opinion of me. Okay, because uh, that's, how I got my, uh, that's how I got my self-image, was the reflected image from other people. I didn't have enough self-confidence, self-image, self-love to be able to do that for myself at that point in time. So your opinion was really important, and I did what I could to manipulate that opinion. And I, you know, I, I had credit card debt. I had other debt. It was just a mess. I was a freaking mess. And I came in, and uh, I, I came in. Uh, I was about to get the gastric bypass. I won't go through all the details. I reached out to a therapist who I had known from my years earlier in program. He wouldn't see me professionally, but he would see me personally, literally right across the street from here. Uh, and he said, go to program, because even if you get the surgery, you're going to need program, because if you take away the food, what are you going to do? You're not well. You are not okay. You will not be okay if you take away the food. And I needed somebody to tell me that. I needed somebody to tell me that, because the surgeon had a therapist, but I knew that she was a rubber stamp, uh, and I didn't want someone to tell me I was okay without finding out if I was okay. And I wasn't okay. I was a mess. So I came in. First thing I needed to do was to admit that I was powerless over food. The dictionary definition of admit is to come to the truth with reluctance. My experience is no one skips their way into Overeaters Anonymous and says, oh great, I'm here. Yeah, we have to come here because there's a problem. We have to come here because there's an issue, and the issue is one that we don't always want to look at, which is I am powerless over food. I could not stop eating. I worked in an office with five bowls of candy. Uh, there were four of us. Uh, the candy jars always seemed to go empty. No one else ate the candy, and I would walk. Uh, so it was me, and I would walk in, and uh, you know, at, at nine o'clock in the morning, say, "I'm not going to do it today." And by ten o'clock, I'd be in the candy. Some days I'd make it till noon. Three o'clock was a stretch, and occasionally I got a full day, but I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. So uh, I had to, you know, admit that I was powerless over food. And, I, you know, and again, your, your, my reflection in your eyes was what I was judging myself by. So how do I admit that kind of weakness? It's very, very hard. Or it was for me. But I was able to, figure, you know, to admit that I couldn't stop eating. I just, you know, the facts were right in front of me. I could not stop eating. Couldn't stop once I started, and I couldn't stop once I started. I couldn't stop from starting. 
right? I was, had an obsession, eat, 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 it'll make you feel better, and once I did, all bets were off, and God only knows what, where we went from there. Sneaking food, all this other sort of stuff, it was ugly. So I said, okay, I, I can see that I have no power over this food, but now I have to come to believe in a power greater than myself. I don't want to do that. You know, because I was an agnostic, you know, and I, and I, and I should be honest, I was an agnostic Jew. Okay, and, and, you know, I didn't really pay much attention to what they taught me in Hebrew school, and I didn't really care too much about God, but I didn't want to say no in case there was a God, and I died, and there he was. I'm like, I didn't believe it. It was just, I didn't want to do it. So I was a hedge-your-bed agnostic, and, uh, uh, and, and I saw other people who were zealots, and that scared me. It was like a Stepford wife kind of thing to me. I was really scared me. You know, and I also saw other people of other religions who were claiming, you know, to be in touch with God, who were then saying, and don't like Jews. You know, it was very difficult for me to wrap my head around, you know, because I'm a post-Holocaust generation Jew. You know, we were scared of everybody. You know, literally. I mean, you know, it was not a joke. We, you know, that, you know, my parents' generations were very frightened people. Uh, and they taught me to be frightened of everybody and to circle the wagons. And so now I have to stop circling the wagons and say, there, A, there could be a God. B, those people might be right. Now, I went down to the ocean, couldn't stop the waves. I've said this too many times in my lifetime. But, you know, I, 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 you know there's a lot of things I can't control. I can't stop the waves. I can't make it 20 degrees cooler or 20 degrees warmer. And if you can, I'll start praying to you. <laughs> but until somebody proves that to me, I, you know, I don't think, think any of us are gods. And to me, it's not a, a clipboard God who says, what can I do for Jeff or against Jeff today? It's a, you know, it's, a spirit, it, it's more spiritual than that. It's a creative spirit of the universe that ties us all together and keeps the whole thing moving, hopefully in the right direction. And I came to believe in that, in that power. And then I turned my will and my life over to that power. And then I was able to stop eating because I was able to tap into a power greater than me. Because I don't have the power. I don't know how many times I, I, I said it or will say it, but I don't have that power. And until I find power, I can't stop. So I have to, uh, so I put the food down and everything got really raw and I found the power and things got slowly better. Uh, and I lost, uh, I lost six pounds a month for 18 months and it got to be a joke because when I was, you know, and, and, and we're told that our old ideas have to be smashed and if you're a, a heavy person and you, you start to do this, one of the ideas that needs to be smashed in my opinion is that we're on a diet, that we're going to lose weight like we did when we were depriving ourselves or going on these commercial diet plans or your own diet plan. You know, when I was 300 pounds and 25 years old, if I went on a diet, I lost 40 pounds in three weeks. You know, I mean, literally, uh, 20 pounds is really probably more accurate. But, you know, in, 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 in two months, I'd lost 30, 40 pounds. I lost six pounds a month, first month, second month, six pounds a month, third month, six pounds a month. I finally went to my sponsor. I said, what's going on? He said, stop eating hamburgers and french fries. I said, oh, okay, good idea. Uh, and I adjusted my abstinence. And I, I haven't had a french fry since that day. I have had beef, but I haven't had, you know, one, like a, you know, uh, one of those sit-down kind of hamburger things. Uh, and it's okay, because I don't miss it. You know, it, 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 it's okay. So, I, you know, I, I, I give up the, these foods. I start to believe in God. I go to meetings. I start to try to be of service, because these are the things. See, the bottom line is this. I have a bad opinion of myself. I come into these rooms, and that opinion doesn't change overnight, right? 
and I have a crutch, and that crutch is food, and I give that up, and I'm not spiritual and serene and happy overnight. I got to go through a period of adjustment. And for me, it was probably close to a year of fighting, fighting it, fighting me, fighting other people, fighting my sponsor, because I don't want to change. I, you know, you know, for as much as I didn't like myself, I liked myself. You know, and I had a groove, and I had your know, professional success, and I had uh, you know, some personal successes, and I don't want to just throw that all away, you know, and then just say, okay, um, I, you know, I am powerless over food, my life is unmanageable. Yeah, that was my fear. And so, you know, I, I, it took me a while to do it. Some of the things I've learned doing it is that a large part of me wants to blame you for my lot in life. Not you individually, I don't know you well enough to blame you, but, uh, but you in general. You know, uh, you know, the kids who made fun of me, the people who were prejudiced against, bigoted against me over my weight. And I know for a fact that I lost or did not get promoted at least three or four times due to people being uncomfortable with my weight. And I want to say, damn you for being uncomfortable with my weight and being a, a fat bigot and not giving me that job. It's your fault I'm not doing better professionally. That's really easy. But I'm a victim. When I'm a victim, I take no responsibility for my part in it. Okay, I can't fix myself if I'm blaming you. It just doesn't work. I can't, I can't look at myself if you're the problem. Now, they didn't give me that job, and yeah, one could say, yeah, that's terrible. But you know what? Maybe they were uncomfortable with morbidly obese people who you could hear breathing from across the room. You know, and that's their prerogative. It's okay. I've come to that now in the forgiveness and in my, in my you know, inventories and forgiveness. I've come to that. I, I can't, you know, my ideas aren't always the right ideas or always your right ideas or always a good idea. And if somebody's uncomfortable with me because of my weight or because I'm bald or because I'm Jewish or because I talk funny, whatever, that's, you know, that's their issue. It's not my issue. You know, am I, you know, am I, if I, you know, if I walked around, you know, waving an Israeli flag and wondering why do people think I'm Jewish, then it's my issue, right? But if you're uncomfortable with me because you don't like me for some reason, you know, okay, you know, that's your problem. But if I make it my problem, then I'm blaming you. And I did a lot of that, a whole lot of that. You know, and, and, and I felt bad a lot about it, you know, particularly in abstinence because I don't have the food to cover it up. And one day I, I, I had a situation like that. I called my sponsor and I said, yeah, I'm having this trouble. I, professional thing. It was weird. I didn't like what happened. And, yeah, but I'm feeling my feelings. I'm getting through it. And he said, wait a minute. Where in the big book does it say, feel your feelings? Do you, can you tell me what page that's on? And obviously I can't because it's not in the big book. There's nothing in the big book that says, feel your feelings or tell a story in a meeting about your grandmother's cat. It's not in there. Okay, you know, what's in there is what, what happens when I am irritable, restless, and discontent. What do I do? It's on page 84, snuck right in between the ninth and 10th step promises. And it says, and now I sound step pretty, right? But it says, it says that uh, when you're uh, feeling these feelings, uh, self-pity, dis discontent, anger, you know, etc. First thing you do is ask God to remove those feelings. Next thing you do is call somebody or talk to somebody and tell them what's going on. You know, get it out. Next thing you do is get in touch with somebody to try and be of service to them. Okay, so it's a pretty simple equation, right? Admit what's going on, right? Ask God to remove it. Tell somebody about it. 
and turn to be of service to somebody else to get the heck out of your own head. Because if I stay in my own head, it can become a very dangerous place at times. But I've got to get out of my head before it gets dangerous, and then later I can look back and kind of you know, figure out why it got dangerous and what I can do to keep that from happening. And, yeah, so that's one of the ways that it's like now, is that I don't overreact to, to things and I don't play the victim. Now, I say that, and of course I do, and my sponsor will call me on it, my friends will, will call me on it, and sometimes I will call myself on it, but it happens much less frequently and with much less severity, and I'm able to get myself out of that negative space much more quickly because I turn to God. Because I turn to God. Okay, because I don't... My opinion doesn't mean it's the right opinion or the only opinion. I was talking to a fellow friend, fellow the other day, and she said, and this is the other thing that's different, she said, you know, I'm really upset. I'm not where I'm supposed to. I'm not where I want to be. And I said, well, are we talking program or are we talking friend? Because if we're talking program, I can tell you that there's a couple words in that sentence that are problematic. And she said, what are the words? And I said, I and I'm. Okay, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Well, I don't get to determine where I'm supposed to be at every turn. You know, I can make the left or the right. I can go to the event or not. I can go to the meeting or not. Right? But you know, where I am in life isn't just up to me. You know, sometimes I win and sometimes I lose, and when I lose, it's got to be okay. You know, I, uh, you know, I have a friend who, uh, in program who was up for a job, and he said, oh, I can't believe they gave it to this guy. And I said, maybe it was his turn. You know, maybe it's his turn to get the good job. You know, how come it's your turn all the time? How come I always am supposed to get the riches? I'm not always going to win. I'm not always going to get the job. I'm not always going to get the girl. I'm not always going to get the, you know, the, the, you're not going to win the lottery. I didn't win the lottery last week. You know, I'm not upset about it. I didn't win. You know, somebody won. Good for them. You know, I mean, they're supposed to have that money. I'm not. It's, it's, it's all a spiritual play. The last thing I want to talk about is food. Because when you're two, 340 pounds, food is important. Okay, uh, you know, this program isn't about food, but we have to look at the food. I practice what is called sober eating, and by that I mean I weigh and measure my meals. I speak to my, I report my food to my sponsor. I have a plan. I do not deviate from that plan, no matter what. No matter what. I don't deviate from that plan. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, and I don't make changes to that plan unilaterally. I have to have, you know, I have to have a discussion with my sponsor or another sober eater, compulsive eater, before I make any sort of, of change to my plan. And uh, I called my sponsor about four months ago, and I said, I want to change my abstinence. He said, why? I said, I want to go do, have more of a weight-losing abstinence. And he said, says who? I said, me. He said, yeah, you don't get a say. He says, it's me, it's your doctor, you know, whatever, but it's not you. He said, did anyone tell you you should lose weight? No. Just stay the way you're going. So then I went to the doctor who had a little bit of a back problem because I'm getting old and old people get these sort of things. So I went to the back, the doctor for oh, my back, you know, and then, and he said, you know, blah, 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 we'll do this, we'll do that. And it wouldn't hurt to lose 20 pounds. Never was happier to hear that in my life because I ran back to my sponsor and I said, the doctor said lose 20 pounds. He said, okay, and we adjusted my abstinence because here's the thing. My, if I'm keeping to my commitments, if I'm abstinent, if I am, if I am not eating outside of my plan, outside of my commitment, then the weight is data. 
That's it. It's data. It's not a, it's not a referendum. Am I a good person or a bad person? You know, I often hear people in programs say, I was good today. No. No. You were, you were, you were recovering today. Okay? You're not good or bad if you eat. You're not good or bad if you abstain. You know, it's, a, it's about, re- are you walking towards recovery or are you walking away from recovery? I'm keeping to my commitment and, and still maintaining what I thought was too much weight. So we, I, I went to a nutritionist, as the doctor suggested. I reported what the nutritionist said back to my sponsor. We kind of amended it and adjusted it a little bit. Because the nutritionist used the word shave. Shave some calories, is what she said. Well, I don't know what that means. Okay? That, uh, you know, I don't know what shave means. And it could mean anything. Yeah, I need specificity. I can't have negotiation with food. Is this shaving or is it not? And I, when I, the first day or two I was trying to shave, I almost was anorexic, which I know is hard to believe, but it's true. <laughs> and so, so we, we quantified it, and I've lost about 15 or 18 pounds uh, since in the four, three or four months. I don't even know what it is. Since then, and it doesn't really matter. I don't get off the scale and go like this because I've <laughs> lost weight. You know, it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, you know, what matters is I've kept to my commitment, and now God has seen fit to move the scale in the direction that He wants it to go. And my sponsor wants it to go, and my grand sponsor wants it, and I want it to go, but it doesn't really matter what I want. If I keep my commitment, I have to be process oriented, I can't be results oriented. If I'm true to the process, then everything will be okay. I might not get the result I want, but everything will be okay. So that is what I do today, and and here's the deal. I'm happy, joyous, and free. I don't worry about food anymore. I don't worry about what the next meal is going to look like. I don't worry about, oh, I'm going to go to a party at a bakery. You know, I, you know, uh, you know, in the book it says, you know, uh, you know, more than likely most of us can walk into bars uh, you know, and watch other people drink and not be affected by it. And I have found that that has been the case with me and food. I can walk into a bakery and go, wow, that looks great. That smells great. I'm not going to eat it. There's no way on God's green earth I'm going to eat that because it's not within my plan. And I know that if I eat it, I don't know when I will be back here. And I am not willing to do that. I lived uh, uh, you know, close to 50 years of hell. And I've had 12 years of freedom. I don't want to trade that for hell. I want my freedom. And the way I get my freedom, and I know I want my freedom, hopefully God wants me to have this freedom as well. Because if God wants me to have this freedom and I tap into that higher power, then I can live happy, joyous, and free one day at a time, rid of this disease, rid of the problem. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I probably just lied when I said I don't lie because occasionally I probably still lie. But, but I, you know, I don't, I don't lie all the time. Right? I don't, the old joke, how do you know when, when an addict is lying, he's moving his lips? Well, I, yeah, that's not me. Okay? That is not me. So I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't steal. And the reason that that's important is because now I don't walk around wringing my hands and saying, oh my God. I, you know, I, I've lied. I got to remember what I said. Oh, I've cheated. Oh, I'm going to get caught. You know, I, I did this. And, and all of that angst and turmoil makes me want to eat. You know, it's that radio station in your head. You know, that keeps playing and playing and playing. And I'm not going to tell you that that radio station has gone away forever and never comes back, because I still get plenty of, uh, of of signals that aren't necessarily positive. But I, you know, I stop. 
I pause. You know, I, I actually do on awakening every morning. Upon awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to uh, direct our thinking, avoiding self-pity. I'm a love self-pity. Dishonest and self-seeking motives. Then I think about my day and I say, okay, I've got this. Is there going to be a problem? Is there going to be a point where I have to stop and ask God for the right thought or action? When can we, you know, and, and, re- and remind myself to do it. You know, and then I do the third step prayer directly after that. I do the third step prayer. I do the serenity prayer. And I say, God, please, just for today, allow me not to binge eat or eat for my own sensual pleasure. Because sensual pleasure is fun, right? Yeah, well, sensual pleasure is also calories most of the time. But sensual pleasure is, you know, oh, I can, I can, can have this. Oh, it's going to be great. No, I, can't, I can't afford to do that anymore. You know, and, and, and the, the object, uh, you know, of, of that is I was at a Mexican place where you walk through and they, you know, put different stuff in a plate for you. And I said, okay, I'll have some chicken, I'll have some beans, uh, you know, no cheese, a little corn, great. And they go, guacamole? And I wanted to go, yeah. And I said, wait, that's for my own sensual pleasure. That I don't need the guacamole to make this meal. <coughs> guacamole is not on my abstinent food list, but then again, it's not going to help me. So why would I do it? So I say, instead allow me to use food as medicine to sustain my body and my soul so I may be of service to at least one other person. Because now my life is more about being service-oriented. I want to carry the message. I want to help newcomers. I want to be a good guy to other people. And service can be something as simple as holding the door open for somebody. You know, service can be saying please and thank you. You know, uh, but I want to be of service to the community, to the OA community, and to the world. And God has given me the ability to communicate and be able to do that uh, on you know a pretty good level. So I th- I'm very grateful for that. But I take no credit for it because it's not about me. It's about where I am and where I'm supposed to be according to the, to God, according to the, to the spiritual realm. And the, uh, the more I can stay in that zone versus the selfish zone or the self-pity zone or the hungry zone or the angry zone, the more serene I am and the easier it is to work the program and the more weight I lose and the more I get to see you people and hopefully get to live a couple of years longer. So that is what I do and I thank you for listening. And I think I have a couple of minutes I can take questions, yeah? If anyone has a question. Or I can sit down. Hi, Jeff. Thanks so much. It's always great to hear you. See you. Thank um, you. So the question I like to ask everybody is, how do you sponsor and what text, what literature do you like to use? Uh, question is, how do I sponsor and what do I use in terms of literature? And the answer is, uh, uh, slowly. Uh, how do I sponsor? Because I don't think that we can rush people through. I know in the old days, you know, they would grab guys off bar stools and they had got take them through the steps in 24 hours. Uh, I don't see it working that way in modern society necessarily. Uh, I and I use the big book, uh, and I literally start at the doctor's opinion because, in my view, the doctor's opinion is if you're going to read one thing out of that book, the doctor's opinion would be what I would recommend because in the doctor's opinion. It tells me that I have an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind, and that those two, both of them toxic, right? But those two toxic things mixed create this, this, this place where I can't stop, where I am trapped in this you know, groundhog day of compulsive overeating. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, that was a great relief to me when I read it. And so I think it's important, especially with newcomers, to give them some relief. It's not your fault. 
you have a disease. You're not a bad person. You're not a weak person. You're not a, you're a terrible human being. You're a sick person. And if somebody said to me, uh, you have a disease and what you need to do is a half an hour or an hour of work a day in a book and do some writing and, and be a service to people, uh, would, would I do that to stop having cancer, God forbid? Yes, I would do that. So why wouldn't I do that for this disease? It's no different a disease to me. So yeah, uh, big book, and then we go through the big book, literally page by page. They underline and, and say what, they, what speaks to them. I have done the same thing in my book. We compare notes. We talk about it. And the, the book will take you right through the steps you're, you're, and, and without even knowing it. Because, and the book even says at the end of when they take you through step one, and that is step one. Like okay, great. You know, so it, it, you know, it, it's it, it, to me, it's 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 where the program is, the big book. Everything else is great. The big book is is where it is at for me. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, could you talk about how your higher power, um, like how you chose your higher power, or how it evolved, or um, like when you pray or meditate, do you envision a higher power, or? Sure. The question is, uh, you know, what does my higher power look like? You know, uh, how did I get to that point? You know, and uh, and yeah, I'm, uh, my, I'll tell you what my higher power doesn't look like: uh, guys in stained glass windows. My higher power does not look like those guys. You know, no staffs, no robes, no beards. Uh, I don't envision a, a person as a higher power. You know, there was a guy in our program, may he rest in peace, named Richie. And I once asked Richie, he led a retreat, and Richie said, uh, I said, what is your higher power? And he said, my higher power is Magic Johnson. (laughs) Magic Johnson? What the hell is that about? He said, well, he's really good at what he does, and he's always got a smile on his face. I thought that was a pretty good answer, actually. Now, my higher power is not Magic Johnson. Uh, nor is it Richie. Well, you know, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't personify it. It's a creative spirit of the universe. And I came to it by several evenings at the beach trying to stop the waves. I mean, literally. Uh, you know, I live in Santa Monica. It's not a far throw from the beach. And I went down to read the book, and I was 340 pounds. I didn't want to get up and move because the waves were coming too close. So I told the waves to stop, and they wouldn't. You know, and, uh, and I realized, wait, you know, there's, there's gravity. Yeah, well, it's gravity. Yeah, where did gravity come from? There's something going on here. I don't really feel the need to personify it. So when I pray and I meditate, I use the word God, but I really mean, create, you know, it's a shorthand for me for creative spirit of the universe. But it doesn't matter where you find your God, right? Good orderly direction, great outdoors, uh, group of drunks. I've heard a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of ways to, you know, I mean, and it's what you want, you know, that's the beauty of this, is our own conception of God. Because I'm sure my rabbi or, or somebody's priest would not really love the idea that I have, the iteration of God that I have, but I don't care. Because I'm, I'm not praying with them, I'm praying with us. And you guys let me do that. And so that's my, you know, so it's, it's sort of a loose spirit. It's not a, a person or a thing or, like I said, no clipboards. You know, because then I would be a victim to God, right? If, if everything that happened to me that I didn't like, I could blame on God then it's God's fault where I am. It's not God's fault, it's God's doing. And where I'm supposed to be, where I'm supposed to be, I'm fortunate that it's a pretty good place, generally speaking. How do you move through grief and loss? Yeah, how do you move through grief and loss? Uh, you know, slowly. So, you know, and, and probably the better that's the better way. Uh, for me, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I've had grief and loss in the program, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, but 
again, it's God's will, right? I've had people take in what you would consider way too early. Uh, and, you know, it's like, well, they did what they were supposed to do. They, they, they did what they were brought here to do. Uh, you know, my sadness at the lack of them being in my life uh, anymore isn't really the main topic here. It's not really the, ma- you know, the, the, the headline. The headline is, what's God want? You know, and so I lean in my, I lean into my higher power. And I, you know, and I, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, acceptance doesn't always mean enjoyment. It doesn't always mean agreement. It doesn't always mean happiness. You know, when you lose somebody, you have to accept it. Okay, and that can be very hard. That can be very hard, but it, it is it is the way it is. And so, you know, when when I lost my mom way too young, when I lost my dad in program, I want to live my life as a tribute to them, and not because and not I miss them. I do miss them, but it's not about what I miss. It's about what I can do to uh, you know to pay tribute to them on a daily basis. So, but. I, nothing I can say can absolve anyone's grief or pain because you have to. Yeah, and I know the book doesn't say we have to feel our feelings, but we. <laughs> but those are feelings you have to feel. Yeah. I think I'm done. No. I have. I have a minute. Oh, I don't have a minute. I have a thank you. Thank you guys very much for letting me share.